why, because three is a crowd. I'm here today once again in the barn, as always, as of last week. And technically Christmas, if we're counting that as a bonus slash special episode. And across the great divide in the co- in the podcast closet, we have Kelly. How's it going today, Kelly? It's it's great, greatly divided. What is the great divide? Is that a real thing? Mm, I mean, it's a, a song by the by the band, the band. Oh, oh, yes. I knew that. I mean, I we are. All their songs. You did. You did. Back in 2018. Uh, we are across the great divide. I mean, it's 2000 miles and we're connected by fiber wire. Wow. Oh, I heard there was a big outage on the East Coast, but I know you're in the middle. So that did that affect you? No, because I'm not on the East oh, Coast. Well, that's nice. Did it affect you? Yeah. No, because I'm not on the East Coast. <laughs> well, Kelly, Ask a stupid question. This is not an internet podcast where we don't discuss the intricacies of the internet. This is Sign on the Window. This is a Bob Dylan podcast. Every week, Yay. you and I, we spend a week with a Bob Dylan song of any era that we chose at random. This year, we're choosing them by key words. So stay tuned for that. And each week, we also create a public playlist around the song that you can listen to on Spotify as we speak. We talk about its title, its theme, its lyrics. And at the end of the week, we get together and we discuss it, which is what we're doing right now. I've been listening to Bob Dylan for most of my life. Kelly has heard roughly the same number of songs as the oldest age in years to which a human being has been authenticated to live. And this week, we Ooh. listen to 1967's As I Went Out. 122? 122? Yep. <laughs> As I went out one morning to talk about the internet and not to talk about genetics thank god we're here today to talk about as i went out one morning a song off of 1967's john wesley harding see episode 27 because we've already listened to the entire album including this song but before we get into the context and talk about the song and break it down by parts kelly do you remember listening to this song and just generally before we get into the versions too what do you think of this song? How was your week with it? How's your week in general? Um, I don't remember it. I definitely don't remember it at all. Uh, I think maybe I remember I dreamed I saw San Augustine, but because we also did that song, right? We did that. Episode 27, 25, 25. Oh, it isn't all along the watchtower on this album too. It is. It is. So, you know, I know basically every song, um, I, I, yeah, I like it. It's fine. It, for some reason, it immediately reminded me of Days of 49, although it's like ah. not similar. I don't know if maybe just like the tempo or like what, but that's definitely the vibes it gave me. I, th- I feel like it could fit in the Seven Curses expanded universe. I think so, too. Um, which I enjoy. And yeah, it's good. It, it made me it made me think and I didn't okay. dread hearing it. So that's always a positive. <laughs> True. Uh, and it was a good it was a good week musically. Our playlist is fun. Spoiler. Yeah. Uh yeah. 
I liked it. Officially, I liked it more than I didn't like it. So that's going to be a plus. And uh, you felt in, in like encouraged enough to want to try to play it. It's always a oh, good yeah. sign when you're like, I want to play the song. Yeah, or it's so a the song, song that can be played. You know, Quickly, the song yeah. is in the key of F sharp minor, which means if your guitar is in standard tuning, you have to put a capo on the fourth fret. And it's only four chords, and those four chords are F, <laughs> C, D minor, and A minor. It sounds like this, kind of. Oh, yeah, the intro. Is it F, C, D? Yeah. What's the name of this one, Bob? Uh, as I went out one morning. Yeah. <laughs> goes to F, watch out. And that's the whole song. Now you gotta sing over it. Sing over it. <laughs> I don't know the words, okay. Uh, oh, you know the beginning. great <laughs> beautiful better well, for, than bob could do <laughs> no, well for one hour of playing around it sounds as good as it can you know i think so yeah for the amount of effort i put in i would say pretty astounding <laughs> day that effort will slowly bubble up bubble up bubble up and one day you're going to be a full-on bob dylan cover band Oh, yeah. <laughs> a one-woman Bob Dylan cover band. That's Woo! Right. Just playing the hits <laughs> as I went out one morning, you know? Yeah, on the top of the list. <laughs> uh, I mean, oh, we, I guess we kind of laugh at it, but is it really that uh, low of a song? I don't think so. The context for here is really quick quick and simple, so I'll just kind of lay it out. This was recorded on the 6th of November, 1967. Five takes, Nashville Skyline. One interrupted, one false start. We have take one on the Bootleg Series Volume 15, which we listened to. And we have Take 5, essentially, which is on John Wesley Harding. Bob Dylan's only played this song one time live, and that was with the band on the 74 tour right at the beginning of it in 1974 at the Maple Leaf Gardens in Toronto. And on John Wesley Harding, we have only Bob Dylan on guitar, Charlie McCoy on bass, and Kenny Buttry on drums. That's it. Lovely. Yeah, I would, the bass line is great. Oh, the bass line uh, is it, it's fantastic. It's like really moving. 
And I, I gotta say, the drums too. This is such a strange song because, yeah. with the exception of the guitar, the bass and drumline, the drums like a, a breakbeat. So this could like really easily be sampled in a hip hop song, and I think you mm. would just like totally work because the drum the the bass line is so good and groovy and the drum beat it, it is repetitive i mean it's all repetitive right it's basically like the the verse even bob singing right and the chords like it's really simple it but is. it works because there's a lot of movement and it isn't drug out very long yeah um but yeah i just like i really got the vibe that you could totally sample this again sans the acoustic guitar because that kind of flavors it uh, a different way but i don't know i I, I like that. I, musically, it made me very happy. So, I mean, of the three versions, so let's just talk about that before we break down. Uh, I kind of split this up into three parts, so we'll kind of talk through the three parts of the song. But um, in terms of the three versions, which one did you prefer? Is one terrible? Is one worse? Where did you fall on those? Obviously, the first one's pretty classic. That's definitely the one we've heard before. And the other ones are pretty different than that. Yeah, I think that this one, I, I would say that the the take one version um, the, uh, that's on the bootleg series, slow I guess. Version, is the double the time version. Yeah, it, yeah, it's a lot, lot slower. So that automatically, I'm just like, man, because you're making the song almost twice as long. But it's interesting that it is the same. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it, it's a little bit different in the the drums, especially are way more marchy because you just kind of like ro roll on that snare forever. Right. Uh, and the bass line is like it, it is different, uh, but it, it is like so much the same song, just slowed down. But it gives it a totally different vibe. Uh, and I'm gonna say like a worse vibe only just because it is slower but it's it, i think it's fine on its own i just think that's so interesting that he didn't change a single word on this song and even when he played it live all those years later yeah. with the the band right or no is it not, no, it's not, not the, the, band, the band. Yeah. no the band's backing him up oh, okay the before tour, yeah. even then didn't change the lyrics which i'm sure we'll get into in a minute but that i thought found that so interesting for someone who is constantly changing his own material to to not change it lyrically at all but musically obviously with the band uh, it's really interesting. I feel like the songs we've heard where the band is added to them. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a tendency to overplay. <laughs> like, fucking Robbie, just play all the I solos. Know. Just go nuts. Let's completely transform this song, not necessarily for the better. But I think this song, because it's so simple, um, the tasteful little solo and little runs that they went on really worked. Um, nothing felt overplayed. It didn't feel like too much at any time. And it, it I, I don't know, it was a nice... It felt like a different song, but then again, the lyrics just really, the fact that they're all the same rooted it really well. So I, I also found it interesting that the, the crowd was like, oh, yeah, I know what the song is. And I think it would have to be because of the lyrics, because musically, it's like almost unrecognizable. I beg you, Well, that was his comeback tour, too, so he hadn't played in a long time live. So, I mean, the sheer fact of him being there, people are probably consuming all this stuff. And, you know, this came out after 66, so it came out after he was playing. He hadn't really done a tour in seven years. So he's, you know, everybody's primed to go. This time period, I mean, this is definitely like peak 
fucking Dylan voice. And it's just, it was really, that was nice too. A nice little touch on the, the song just because him singing totally. differently makes it feel It was a perfect blend of all of it. It was like, you got the longerness because you, you allowed Robbie to play on the solos and everyone was just great. The, the, every element was excellent. And, and yeah, even the soul, there's all the soloing stuff just felt really organic and like a part of the song. It didn't feel put on. Yeah. So I liked that it was a little more dirty, a little slower. Um, but it still retained like kind of the quickness of the lyrics, but then allowed for these like extended breathing periods. It was perfect. I mean, really, that version is so good. I wish that there was like a soundboard recording and not an audience recording. And maybe they've got it down there somewhere um, in the bowels of Columbia and the vault. But, you know, this is a great song. And it's just a shame that he never played it live, except this one time. All right, Kelly, I broke down this song into its composite parts. So there is a lot of chatter out there in the Bob Dylan universe that you would not be privy to about what the song sort of is about. And there's a lot of ideas from people as to what it's about. So before I kind of go through some of the more popular theories, and you say you don't remember us already talking about this back in episode 27, how dare you? It was only 100 episodes ago in 2017. <laughs> Um, but I want you to tell me before we kind of break down the three lyric parts, what's going on in this song to you? Yeah, I am very curious cause I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I, my, my two theories are, and they're kind of the same, but just with the slightly different details, it's either a woman who's been imprisoned for mm. some crime or another, potentially a violent crime, spoiler, Ooh, like uh, that. or she's a slave. Right. Um, so either way, cause she's in bondage, right? Like, so either way she's, she's either a criminal or a slave. Uh, and then she's seducing the narrator in order to either gain freedom from slavery or freedom from being incarcerated. And I think at the end, she's attempting to strangle the oh, narrator hello. to escape because uh, it's like, okay, we'll we'll go together. But at some point, for some reason, she's like, nah, this motherfucker's got to die. I got to get out of here. And okay. because cause Tom Payne's like screaming in the background like, hey, get off of that guy. <laughs> and then she's like, bah, and runs away. <laughs> so I think that's what's happening. Well, I'll I I tell know. you, no one else thinks that that's what's happened in this song. That's a first. That's well, then what's the end about? Because, like, everything's fine. It's like, okay, we're going to escape to the South, and then suddenly... Well, see, that's why the slavery thing's weird. It's like, because you oh, I don't want to go to the fucking I, South. You're you trying to escape from slavery. Yeah. Right. Uh, but, like, but I was like, what a sudden... Because what is the line he said? I know we're going to go over, but it's just like... I don't know what else could be happening at the end, because... Because oh, she, as she was letting go her grip, like, grip of what? What the fuck is happening? Because it, it sounds to me like everything was cool. She pulled a... Remember that show that shall not be named... Um, mm -hmm. what's her name? Tonks, but that's not her name in the, in the show. The one oh, that looks God. after the, the, the kids, but you know in what I'm talking about, right? Seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So when Theon takes over Winterfell, she seduces him so that they can escape. Uh, right. oh wait. And that, oh, sorry. But then Ramsey comes in and she tries to do the same thing to him right, and he fucking right. kills her cause he's Ramsey. Right. 
Right. But so I feel like what this situation is, she's about to, she's going to escape. She sleeps with the guy to escape. But then instead, mm. she's like, actually, you know what? It'll be even better if I just kill this dude, because then no one even knows who I am or where I'm going because he would know where I'm going. And he's a possible he could turn me in at any second. This is dangerous. So I'm just going to kill him and bounce. And as she's doing the deed, Tom Payne's like, ah, hey, get out of that guy. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So what is the song actually about? Well, I don't think it's about anything. I think it's about that. Nice. Case closed. All right, Kelly, did you know there were also people in the world this week? It's incredible. Uh, no. <laughs> There's a couple of ways. So let's start with the very first verse. Part one, as I walked out one evening. That's right, not morning, evening. Bob Dylan mm. starts by singing, as I went out one morning to breathe the air around Tom Paine's, I spied the fairest damsel that ever did walk in chain. She offered me her hand. She took me by the arm. I knew that very instant she was meant to do me harm. Right away, pretty creepy, pretty gothic, uh, medieval almost. Mm. I mean, a lot of people denote the medievalness of this. Any listen to Al- along the Watchtower, which is two songs from now, um, definitely plays that out. Like, all along the Watchtower is a very spooky medieval. You're thinking of people up in castles. So is this song, right? I mean, it, does this song fit into that universe, or is he talking about walking today? You know, in 1967 or 2021, you know, it's kind of it's ambiguous, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the the language definitely supports that, too. The way he's speaking is more of an oldie timey, oldie timey. Right. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So one of the one of the big ones, one of the popular consensuses out there is that there's a poem by by the by the author uh, W.H. Auden called As I Walked Out One Evening from 1938. Now, this is not. I like this because it's not a direct ripoff that Bob sometimes does. So this is more of like a a nod or like, you know, it's just kind of like it also exists out there. And obviously going out for a walk is not something you can copyright and pretend that you did yourself. (laughs) But I do I do enjoy it because this poem is pretty interesting. And it made me think about when I was reading it, I thought about a song that's on our playlist early one morning. And I started to think about that and this and I was like. You know, it's not really even just this one poem. It's kind of the whole motif that Bob Dylan's playing with that I think is so interesting because a lot of people don't know what to think about these two people that meet one another, right? So we've got the guy and we've got the girl in in, in chains, right? She's shackled. Um, do they know one another? Are they together? So I, I just want to I want to look at that autumn poem really quick. It starts out with "As I walked out one evening." Walking down Bristol Street, the crowds upon the pavement were fields of harvest wheat. You can kind of like already hear the cadence, right? You could put this to Bob Dylan's song. And down by the brimming river, I heard a lover say, under the arch of the railway, love has no ending, right? Like you can you can kind of get it. Later on, the song, the poem itself shifts from first to second to third person. The town clock inserts itself to remind the lovers that they're gonna die you know as every good love story has to have is just remember you only love somebody until you're dead <laughs> and then you'll never love anyone and and i love it and i just kind of want to read it because i think like the the we all know all along the watchtower and we have this song and i think if bob dylan was reading auden who is definitely a poet that he definitely knows it's so i think this kind of sticks with him and sticks with our episode on john wesley harding so the end of the poem once the clock kind of takes over in our like in the conversation it goes like this it says this is auden um quote oh plunge your hands in water plunge them 
up the wrist, stare, stare in the basin and wonder what you've missed. The glacier knocks in the cupboard, the desert sighs in bed, and the crack of the teacup opens a lane to the land of the dead, where the beggars raffle the banknotes and the giant is enchanting to Jack, and the lily white boy is a roarer, and Jill goes down on her back. Oh, look, look in the mirror. Oh, look in your distress. Life remains a blessing, although you cannot bless. Oh, stand, stand in the window as the tears scald and start. You shall love your crooked neighbor with your crooked heart. It was late, late in the evening. The lovers, they were gone. The clocks had ceased their chiming and the deep river ran on. More of a watching the river flow vibe, maybe. But this this also got me thinking about the song on our playlist, Early One Morning, which we chose because of Buffy the Vampire right. Slayer, which I love. But uh, this song, we are. this is the type of song that Bob Dylan would consult for a song like this. We've talked about the rolled folk song index. This song is number V9617 in the folk song index. Go listen to our little Maggie, Stagger Lee, all these old songs. They're a part of this folk song index. Like this is one of those songs. And it starts with early one morning, just as the sun was rising. I heard a young maid sing in the valley below. Oh, don't deceive me. Oh, never leave me. How could you use me a poor maiden? So, um, I mean, this is good stuff. I mean, it's a ballad. Bob Dylan is writing a ballad. I mean, he's sort of inverting the ballad with As I Went Out One Morning. But it got me thinking as I was reading that. It's like, we don't know why these two people, maybe they met because they knew one another, right? This whole backstory, which I think supports your story a little bit more about, like, maybe people being entwined with one another, right? Like, Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely didn't think that they had known each other prior to this event. Uh, I mean, the language is sparse. The language is really, it doesn't give a lot away. I mean, it's really for your imagination, really. If my story is true, then I think that it makes more sense that they didn't know each other because this is just definitely like her kind of preying on whoever she can use to get out of her situation. So, and if it were somebody she had known beforehand, I feel like she probably she might not have killed them or like tried to escape through this this means uh they i don't know i don't know yeah so i'm gonna say no they didn't know each other i definitely see a connection between the old the old songs and old poetry and that type of language and what he's doing here which is pretty interesting and for me it's like tom Paine, outside of his historical context kind of becomes like the clock in auden's poem or he becomes later on in early one early one morning there's um a line about her, the maiden, wanting to tie down, shackle, mm-hmm. if you will, uh, the lover so that he wouldn't leave. And it's like, OK, well, it, Tom Paine sort of acts like that. He's like the reminder. He's someone telling the person that you can't do what you want to do, um, which is pretty interesting. I did not realize that the song that I picked because of Buffy was totally relevant <laughs> yeah I, not only relevant but like i mean i'm sure Bob, bob's heard it before i wouldn't yeah. put it past him i mean he is definitely a student of that stuff yeah i mean i think that it he's he's done that for a myriad of songs so i think that it's totally reasonable that he has heard this song and that it was a possible influence i'm just very much uh patting myself on the back for for knowing exactly what the references were for this song depart from me this instant I told her with my voice said she but I 
Part two, verse two, Bob Dylan sings, after the two of them meet, again, we don't know if it's the first time or if it's the second time or multiple times or they're lovers, who knows? Depart me from this moment. I told her with my voice. She said, but I don't wish to. I said, but you have no choice. I beg of you, sir, she pleaded from the corners of her mouth. The only change I saw was she did it from the center of her mouth in uh, take one. Uh, which is on the Mm. Blue Lake series, volume uh, 15. Um, I will secretly accept you and together we'll fly south. What do we think? I mean, to me, this is the most spooky, mysterious part of the song. Like, I will secretly accept you and together we'll fly south. What the fuck does that mean? Why, Why are you going south? And if and if slavery is kind of what we're thinking here, that's the wrong way. Yeah. So that's why it's confusing, because it's like secretly accept you for the slavery thing it works right because gross you i'll i will purchase you human being and we'll run that's away dark. that's dark that's dark yeah. yeah um but yeah going south seems wrong or south south like down to tierra del fuego i mean who knows how south yeah. you can go <laughs> south until you're north again baby <laughs> yeah so i i don't know i feel like one would cancel the other, but not necessarily because South can mean a lot of things. It doesn't necessarily mean literally the American South. Um, True. It could just mean away. Although it feels like he put that word specifically for a reason. Cause he could say it could have said anything else. Although South rhymes with mouth. So yeah, it's no. like, you're kind of, kind of hemmed in there a little bit. It's directionally speaking. I love um, this idea of Bob Dylan's writing. Uh, every song that he does is stream of conscious. And wow, he really got fucked over with that mouth line. He really should have chosen. <laughs> you know chest or something we needed to get off yeah. my chest and then you got yeah yeah so uh, i don't know i still think it, it fits Th- that line really pushes it more for me towards the slave narrative yeah. versus somebody who's just incarcerated just because that i don't know how else you interpret that like uh what i will secretly accept you i don't i don't really yeah. know uh, if she's just a prisoner i don't know what that what that uh, means or what that does I, exactly why does it matter what she that's why i think there's more to it because you secretly accept you why does what does that mean you don't have a say in the matter if you're a prisoner or an enslaved person like it doesn't matter if you accept there is no consent mm-hmm. you know um i mean in, in in episode 27 of the show that you and i are doing right now we did talk that was one of the things that we did mention then um in our quick you know three thousand ten thousand foot overview of this um of this album was was this where we talked about this being a, about American slavery and I think that I think that that's pretty clear at least in my head even if there's so much conflicting stuff which is the acceptance I accept you I don't know what that means they've described the damsel as fair now again that's kind of a trope of medieval language but you know fair in the way that we think about these invalid wise is white right so oh, that right, also right. changes the yeah. dynamic exactly uh, some people, and I kind of tend to agree with this too, um, it could be about the patriarchy, man. I mean, this is a woman in chains after all. You know, she trusts this man. You know, I mean, he gives a hand, she grabs him by the arm. Now, you can either see that as this woman is trying to control him, and that's why Tom Payne is justified in, like, stopping this nonsense, or you see it as she trusts this guy, right? If you trust somebody, that's a familiar move is what I'm getting at. You know? Yeah. Like, it, it, there could be, and this is what she gets for it. 
she gets to be dunked on by Tom Payne. Well, familiar, I would say familiar or desperate. Like, for me, the image is more like, here's my hand, and she's grabbing him, like, fucking get me out of here, man. Yeah, help me. Yeah. Yeah. But then it got yeah. me thinking, are we the shackled? Like, are we the baddies? <laughs> like, are we begging the narrator to come with us? Like, is Tom, Pre- is Tom Payne preaching against our conformity, like uh, the status quo? Like, us, we represent that shit. You know, so if we break away from the slavery or the the actual facts on the ground narrative, is there a is it is it metaphor? Are we the metaphor? That's kind of like I don't know what the metaphor even is. Like, is Tom Paine right or wrong? I think is probably the most the most poignant question of this whole song. Is he right to turn us away? Or is he wrong yeah. to turn us away? A very literal theory that was that was put out there in the 1970s concerns Bob Dylan at a he won an award in 1963 called the Tom Paine Award. Huh. And it was hosted by the Emergency Civil Liberties Union in New York City. He gave a speech. So instead of me trying to describe it, I'm going to let Ryle Marcus, who summarized this in 1969, uh, about this song in particular, he says, "Quote: uh, This song, this song was quote about a dinner attended year that Dylan attended years ago, at which he was presented with the Tom Paine Award by the Emergency Civil Liberties Committee. Dylan, during his acceptance speech, said something about how he might understand how Lee Harvey Oswald felt, and the audience booed. This interpretation makes Dylan a really interesting guy. He waits for years to get a chance to get back at an unfriendly audience, and all Tom Paine means to him." is a bad memory of an award dinner. Poor Tom Payne. Uh, uh, okay. Right. So he's so he's kind of making fun of it. The the whole idea that that Tom Payne, who is who is an American revel the War of Independence icon, is nothing more than just a bad time from Bob Dylan. So he's kind of making fun of that. Bob Dylan though, a lot he got a lot of shit for that dinner. Um because he did say that he kind of he sees a little bit of Lee Harvey Oswald in himself. Um the president got killed a month ago. That's not a great look. <laughs> Bob Dylan, in his typical way back then, wrote a really long poem, like explanation, essentially apologizing for everything. And near the end, which I reread today for the first time in a long time, he says uh, he says this about the award itself. He says, quote, but I can return what is rightfully yours at any given time. I have stared at it for a long while now. It is a beautiful award. There is a kindness to Mr. Payne's face and there is almost a sadness in his smile. His trials show through his eyes. I know really not much about him, but somehow I would like to sing for him. Part three, up Tom Payne did run. Bob Dylan at the end of this song sings. Just then Tom Payne himself came running across the field. Hilarious. I love that scene. Shouting at this lovely girl. What a dick and commanding her to yield. And as she was letting go her grip up, Tom Payne did run. I'm sorry, sir. He said to me. I'm sorry for what she's done. So you want to know about Tom Payne? I do. Because who was that guy? So without getting super into because I don't think it's actually that important as to what who Tom Payne is. Tom Payne wrote pamphlets in America, amongst other things. He was a he was a architect. He, he made bridges in Europe. He came over here and he wrote a pamphlet called Common Sense. He wrote a pamphlet called The Rights of Man. And the crisis, most famous, probably common sense is the most famous. And all of these were anti-monarchical, pro, you know, American independence, independence for other people. And 
he was, um, you know, sort of ostracized later on in his life because he was anti-slavery. He meant it. You know, again, I it's hard to put a lot onto him because would he be confused about the world we live in? Did he really think that we could have like a multiracial democracy? Maybe not. But he certainly he felt that even if we couldn't do it together, every man, maybe not women, who knows? Uh, should have the opportunity to do it. And that was certainly something that the founders, even though they said that, were not willing to commit to. So that became a bone of contention between them. He went off to the to France. He assisted in the French Revolution. He was jailed. And then he ended up his life here. He died, I think, somewhere in New York, penniless. Um, but John Adams later said, without the pen of pain, the sword of Washington would have been wielded in vain. Hmm. Whenever you are going to talk about the War of Independence, you're going to come to Tom Paine. So Tom Paine, I think, represents freedom, liberty, you know, these abstract words that I think have been co-opted by the far right today as to what is common sense solutions, what is freedom, what is liberty. And I think Bob Dylan's kind of playing with that a little bit here. I, I think in not the best of ways. I think that he is kind of like, he doesn't know much about Tom Paine. And I think he's using him as a stand-in for what? That's my biggest question. For what? I don't really know. If this was a slave, T Tom Paine, by all accounts, would be horrified by it. He would not be like, I tacitly agree to this. You know, he, he would not. But he is in this song. What does that mean? Well, is was Thomas Paine himself a, a slave owner? Absolutely not. Okay. So because in my version of the story, if the woman in question is a slave... I I thought that Tom Paine, regardless of the historical context, because I know nothing about him, um, yeah. but like knowing now who he is, then this I feel like doesn't work because if the the woman is is a slave, then I would think that Tom Paine is coming in and saying like, oh, I'll I'll put her back with the rest of them. Sorry, she bothered you. She obviously she, yeah yeah she obviously seduced you. I'm gonna go ahead and put her back in the pen with the others. <laughs> gross anyway. please don't tell my manager yes exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah totally um but if she's not if she's just a prisoner i mean um well that's why i'm saying that, that i think she was in the act of trying to kill the narrator okay. because See, like I that makes that. sense no matter what like regardless of who tom Paine is and if it is in fact historical figure essay writer whatever that guy either way that works because it's like you're just a regular citizen at that point like oh shit she just tried to kill you and she's like a, a wanted criminal obviously escapee like let me get her away from you sorry about that she did kill him i mean just reading it like uh he commands her to stop and as she was letting go her grip that's the last time we see her in the right. song but she could be letting go the grip because she fucking killed the guy oh true. the guy's yeah. dead like i strangled him i stabbed him i did whatever up Tom Paine did run. Now, in my head, you know, just from the simple reading, he is actually talking to another corporeal being by saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry yeah. for what she's done. But it could be but a he corpse. Could be saying it to the corpse. Yeah, I yeah, mean, totally. of course. Nice. I like that better. That's the official version from now on. She was a prisoner and she used seduced this rando stranger to escape and then murdered him. And Tom Paine found the body as like as he had just become a corpse. <laughs> <laughs> yes official version and like she, she somehow gets away even though she's still in chains tom Payne's just like no <laughs> well i think yes. for me even if even if she ended up killing the person which i think is still an open question i think you can argue either way 
for me, it, it gets to it still is a question of Tom Payne. I think for me, that is still the most interesting part of it. I think for anybody uh, online and just in the writing of, about this song, that is definitely the sticking point. That's the thing people want to understand the most. Grau Marcus in that same article in 1970 for for Rolling Stone, he, he after commenting upon what people think this is kind of about, he turns it on his head. And I did quote this back in episode 27, but I'm going to quote it again here because I think it's incredibly important. And every time that Bob Dylan talks about American history, it's vital to understand this part because I agree with him 100%. He wrote, quote, I sometimes hear the song, this song, as a brief journey into American history. The singer out for a walk in the park, finding himself next to the statue of Tom Paine and stumbling across an allegory. Tom Paine, symbol of freedom and revolt, co-opted into the role of patriot by textbooks and statue committees, and now playing as befits his role as a patriot, enforcer to a girl who runs for freedom, in chains to the South, the source of vitality in America, in America's music, away from Tom Paine. We have turned our history on its head. We have perverted our own myths. I think that that, that speaks for itself. And for me, I don't think that this is about the 18th century. This is about how Tom Paine is remembered. Now, Bob Dylan said in that apology to the ECLC that he didn't know much about Tom Paine. From the speech, he says... I've read history books. I've never seen one history book that tells how anybody feels. I've found facts about our history. I found out what people know about what goes on, but I never found anything about any, how anybody feels about anything that happens. It's just plain facts, and it don't help me one little bit to look back. Now, later on in his life, he would disregard that because he uses a lot of looking back, as all humans do. He's 20, what, three at this point? He thinks that he's going to live forever. In that speech, he also says, this is a world of youth. Anybody whose heads are bald and they're losing their hair should be cast out. And it's like, well, sorry, Bob, you're now an old man. What does that mean for you? Right. So I think this is a lot of blustering from the youth. But I think it is something that we see in our culture, which is, again, we've co-opted these people and turned them into something that they're not. And so this Tom Payne that Bob Dylan sees or would dreamily meet in the in the song you know the narrator would meet uh is totally different than what's on the on this you know in a paragraph in a book and you know the far right is is pretty prolific with what Grau marcus was saying in 1970 that's exactly what was done which is taking him out of context saying he's a patriot and that he stands for these abstract things that really only mean anything to white people frankly mm. and I'm not saying Bob Dylan is complicit in any of this. I mean, using a historical figure is a really nice shorthand to, like, buff out a metaphor, right? Because if you know who that person is, you now know kind of, like, the, the color of the song based on yeah. that person, right? But if you're saying he True. didn't know who this guy really was, do you mean prior to writing this song or... He like when he went to write this, he now knows who this person is right now. Bob Dylan is remembering Tom Paine in a certain way. We're listening to it in 2021, thinking about his remind remembrance of something, you know, that he's remembering. We're remembering it's just it's this long line of distortion is what happens. So when he says in his letter, I don't know much about Tom Paine. I take him at his word. Four years could go by. This guy could be a Tom Paine scholar. He could know everything about the man. A scholar of Tom Paine couldn't write this song. Sure. This, you know, this song is incredible outside of the scope of any sort of knowledge. And what it asks us question wise is something I don't think, again, Bob Dylan doesn't have an answer to. I think Bob is just putting a historical figure there. Like Ryle Marcus said, he walked by, he saw a statue and he thought, huh, 
What do I know about him? I know about the common sense. I know that he means liberty, freedom, no monarchy. What would it be like if I ran into this guy? Let me write a song about that. It's like casting Thomas Jefferson in one of these. He's more well-known than Tom Paine, right? But what if Tom Jefferson was there and he was saying, free your slaves, right? Then we'd be like, oh, this is different than the real Tom Jefferson, right? Right. I like calling him. I like calling him Tom Jefferson, by the way. It's very fun. (laughs) Tommy J. Yeah, we meet Tommy J up in the woods (laughs) or we meet John Adams. You know, you meet any one of these people. It's just fun to invert them on their head. And I think that's what Marcus was getting at. I think Bob, in a way, he kind of knows enough, but he was able to invert it. But now being in such a toxic place, I think we look back on the 60s and 70s and think maybe it wasn't as toxic, but it probably was. Obviously, it was right. These people were using these these people these founders with a capital F to justify all types of bad behavior. Oh yeah. I mean, I would imagine that's happened forever. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, has he turned radical Tom Paine into a conservative? Sure. Is Bob Dylan, does he have a streak of conservatism? Sure. You know, even in that speech at the ECLC, he says, I I don't know right and left. I don't care about that. I care about up and down. I care about my feet being on the ground. And it's like, okay, well, Bob, you're obviously drunk and having a great time, but, I think that says a lot, which is you don't care about politics. But to me, that's a red flag today. And context matters. And, and context lots matters. Lots of lots of things. And that's something that Tom Paine has now been plucked out of context. And I think that's a, there's a little bit of a commentary on that. Now, I don't know what Bob Dylan thinks or cares about that, but I find it pretty fascinating. Yeah, my take of the song definitely supports that Tom Paine just happened to be the name of the character. And maybe even one intentionally just to trigger this kind of train of thought. Like, oh, we're going to we're going to super load this song real quick. That is just a kind of a throwaway. Yeah. What if I met a, a girl who was imprisoned? That would be neat. Oh, shit. What if she tried to kill me? Ooh, I'm going to put Tom Payne. Gravity. So I think that that maybe I, I don't think that's what it was, but like maybe. So, Kelly, does this song work in 2021? Did it work in 2017? You don't remember. But does it work today? <laughs> I definitely don't remember. Uh, well, like I said, I think musically, you could really adapt this song into a hip hop song or an alternate alternative R and B song right now. Like, do it. So, I, <laughs> I mean, God, if I, I'm a lazy sack of crap. I I cannot <laughs> cannot. But someone someone very cool and talented definitely could. Um, nice. So I think on that in that way it works. Although that that's taking a piece of it instead of the whole. Um, yeah. I, I, I think inconclusive. I think that the lyrics, they seem, I don't know. I, I would say that Bob intentionally kept them the same for one reason or another. I think he really landed on something. I yeah. think he revels in the ambiguity. I think he definitely enjoys driving people crazy. And I think that he, with the Tom Payne reference, managed to really strike gold in a more or less simple song because it's mm. only three verses, right? It's really fast and yeah. easy. Uh, it sounds good. You know, it's I think that you can't take that out of it because it was obviously very intentional, uh, whether whether at the time or in retrospect, like it's been given that way because he hasn't changed it. Yeah. Uh, I, I, so I, I don't know. I I feel like it does not work only because it feels historical. It feels like a time and a place. And to do it now would be anarchistic and have a lot of weird baggage. Um and musically, because of the guitar, the the again the, the whole the whole thing with Bob's vocals, with the acoustic guitar, um, I think it sounds old. Um, so I'm gonna say no. 
Well, and so he was recording this with the Basement Tapes at the same time, like right at the end of that. So this was all sort of part and parcel with it. And we talked about the moral chewizing on on John Wesley Harding. So every song had a moral. Uh, and I had a moral for every song during our episode, episode 27, that you were a part of back in 2017. Mm. The moral of this st- story back then was don't be Tom Payne. And I think we've... <laughs> And don't be no, the, the Tom. Don't be the narrator. <laughs> no. well, we don't know what the narrator. Well, if the narrator died, then we want to avoid that. But the narrator could still just be standing there, right? I mean, really, what happens is he just says, "You gotta go." Tom Payne shows up. And is like, "Get away from her! Get away from him, you wench!" And then he's like, "Sorry, so sorry, sir." I mean, genuinely, that's it. That's all we can verifiably right. say. Like action wise that's happened in the song so i so i agree with my 2017 self when i say that and you know i i agree with don't be tom Payne, but it doesn't mean don't read him don't understand it but i mean on on for real don't idolize him the one-to-one shit that his life is like yours and all the founders like get that shit out of here that's the thing that i think needs to needs to move on now i don't think bob's really saying that but i feel like i need to say that because as we've seen in the last couple of weeks in this country uh, in January of 2021, things have been stupid to say the least. (laughs) Yes, they have. um, Yeah, it's, it's not great. So, you know, those people, like I said, the people that were shackled are the ones that have actually made history. They're the people that sort of advance these ideas beyond just some white dude putting them down on a page. And they've become living, breathing things because of all the people in this country that have struggled to make those real. And it's a struggle against the people that want to take those things away from you, as we've said on this podcast from day one. Um, So I would say that is a reason to leave Tom Payne alone as you go on your walks down in the future. And for me, the moral the moralizing ballad is not inherently terrible. Bob Dylan does it perfectly. A Dylan inversion of this type of ballad makes it even better for me. This is a great song. And this to me, like Dear Landlord didn't really hit for me, but I Dreamed I Saw St. Augustine does. All Along the Watchtower does. You know, there's just so much spookiness in there that who doesn't want spooky, man? (laughs) Emo's back, Kelly. Goth is back. Hey, goth never left for some people. (laughs) Goth never left. Hey, let's go. Make a spooky version of this. Billie Eilish, get on it to cover the song. Let's go. Bring Tom Payne to the masses. <laughs> and I'm going to end with um, Bob Dylan's apology, a line from his apology um, to the ECLC. Um, he said that he wasn't claiming to be normal and he wasn't claiming to know any kind of truth and said, quote, but like an artist who puts his painting after he's painted it in front of thousands of unknown eyes, I also put my song there that way after I've made it. It is as easy and as simple as that. Came running from across the field Shouting at this lovely girl And commanding her to yield And as she was letting go her grip Up Tom Payne did run Sorry, sir, he said to me, I'm sorry for what she's done. Kelly, did you know that we're a real podcast and you can find us everywhere that you podcast and that you do other stuff beyond 
podcasting. <laughs> that's Twitter intermittently. That's Facebook intermittently. That's Instagram intermittently. Um, you know, all all of them. But That's most importantly, it. you can find us on patreon.com slash SOTWpod. Of course. And you can give us a dollar, which would be excellent. And when you give us a dollar, we'll give you a shout out on the pod. Thank you for sponsoring us. You can join the exclusive list of people that have done so before. And don't you want to be a part of a club such as that? It's a better club to be in than lots of other clubs out there right now. I'll tell you that. Definitely. So, Definitely. yeah, you, you give a dollar, you'll support an episode of this podcast. And it's amazing. And you can see our show notes and everything at SOTWpod.com as well. SOTWpod everywhere. Get a tattoo of it so you don't forget. <laughs> Kelly, we also make a playlist every single week for this podcast. You can search this on Spotify. It's called See That My Playlist Is Kept Clean. And you can listen to it live. Um, basically, after this episode, I just kind of start loading up our new songs and you can kind of see where we're at in real time. And, uh, and then if you want to see the actual, um, every playlist from every episode, they're in our show notes again at SOTW pod, but Kelly, we uh, made another award winning, wonderful playlist this week (laughs) with a ton of too many people that we've had on the playlist before. So that might be my only knock on it. I mean, I felt like you made it for me because you put all the songs that I would have put on it, including one from Placebo that I took off immediately because we already had it on there. Because who uses the tools? I'm using the tools. All right, Kelly, I'm going to start with the Welcome Twos before I go to the Welcome Backs because there were so many of them. Welcome to technically Sir Peter Piers, Pears, which is the one that does Early One Morning. Oh, right. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, but it's just a traditional song. It's actually credited to traditional. So it's kind of amazing. So I recommend that. Again, just an old song. Uh, Bill Callahan for the first time, As I Wander, off of the gold record. His came out last year. Uh, 100 Mornings, uh, The Chase. Yeah, that was just a random pick I found because, it, you know, Mornings is in the name of the band. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is totally giving me, like, uh, trip-hop, like, 90s weird, but also kind of, like, blondie vibes. This is great. And, it, you know, it's a, it came out, like, 2010 or something. So, nice little find. Uh, Orson Welles, uh, you know, the director. That was Orson Welles? I was like, this is amazing. Whoever's reading this is fantastic. Uh, he was, he read back in 1956, I want to, I think, I think this is when this came out. He was just reading famous tracks. And one of them, which is uh, echoed on the Bonobo song, is the Thomas Paine, you know, tyranny is not easily conquered, which these are the times that try men's souls from the crisis, the crisis, the crisis. And finally, beginner one morning. Uh, kind of at the end to wake us up at the end of this uh, podcast or at the end of this playlist. And that was like a, a pretty older song. They were like Trinidad. They're from Trinidad, I want to say. Oh, yeah. So I thought that like, the song sounds like it's from the 20s, but then that album was really recent. So I think it's just one of those collection kind of things. Uh, and then welcome back a lot of people. So we're going to start just from the top. Lead Belly, Good Morning Blues, seventh time. Seventh time on this playlist. Bonobo, Dinosaurs, excellent fourth time for bonobo against me first high of the morning uh which i again off the stab at the christie single i don't how often do we listen to the stab at the christie single never never so ninth uh unique song for against me nick drake's sixth unique song for from the morning beautiful as always perfect dolly pardon six um for code of many colors classic less than jake coming out of that orson wells right to if you're living, leaving Liberty City, burn it to the ground. Last one out of Liberty City. 
Only the third time for Lesson Jack. Yeah, uh, redundant redundant anecdote time. I've already told this on the podcast, I'm sure, before. Yes. I used to live in South Florida. The only thing I know about Liberty City, and Lesson Jake is from Florida, He's so a- I'm assuming they mean that Liberty City. Uh, an armored truck flipped over in, like, 1992. The money went over everywhere, like, right off of I- I think on an I-75. It, like, flipped over uh, on the interstate. Money went everywhere. Oh, Everyone went nuts and took all the money. Um, and then one little kid turned the money back into the cops and they got a reward and it was like a whole big thing. But yeah, the only thing I remember as a kid about Liberty City is don't go there. An armor truck flipped over. Those two that's things. <laughs> I'm sure that's all they know, too. Uh, Donovan, three times for Donovan, our first since episode 21. All, over 100 episodes ago, wow. uh, as I recall. A great song. Do you remember when we used to joke Damn. on him be- at the beginning? Mainly because he was like a joke to Bob Dylan. So yeah. we just intoned. We were bullies back then for Bob. At least I was. I was a bully for Bob Dylan. And now I'm like, I was a I've Dil- come around. I, I, I've always liked Donovan. Well, that's good. At least he's got someone in his corner. Um, Al Green for the second time. Uh, your love is like the morning sun. Can't go wrong with Al Green. Uh, the Gap Band, early in the morning. An excellent example of what I'm talking about, about a song that's three minutes long, stretched out to about eight minutes. Classic 70s, eight-minute <laughs> song that doesn't deserve to be eight minutes and is just plodding along for most of it. Yep. But the second time it, uh, for the Gap I mean, Band, so. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. realize. Mm-hmm. That's great. I mean, it just like instantly made me, I was like, well, where's George Clinton? Is he involved in this somehow? Because he's my only touchstone to like, Oh, wow. That's... All right, Kelly. Well, we're going to expand that. Uh, Blossom Deary for the second time. First since episode 16, Hard Times in New York Town. A fine spring morning. That's criminal. Uh, it is. I, that's your fault, too. It's not just me. Uh, and And Frank Sinatra, uh, the third time for in the wee small hours of the morning. Um, I'll get to that in a minute with my recommendations. But important said for the, is on here for the fifth time. As well, gotcha. Um, with uh, morning well, air, good. A uh, great playlist, I gotta say, uh, all over the place, but really melds together. And if you've been listening for a long time, I'm sure this hits a lot of boxes for both of us. So it's, yeah. But see, so, so okay, another tangent anecdote. I have to tell you, I saved us from myself us. by That's not great. putting on a song called "Just Morning" M O U R N I N G by the band Tantric. And if you are not familiar with the band or the song, think of every terrible thing that happened in the early 2000s. Look at visions of Nickelback. Okay. okay? That's what we're doing. Yep. yep. That same okay. same level, right? Uh, that song. So there used to be a thing. I told you it's a tangent. There used to be a show on HBO called Reverb. It happened in like really wee hours of the morning, midnight right? And it was basically okay. three. It was a live performance of three bands. I don't think like in the same night. But it was like just songs chosen from live performances, but they coupled like three bands together. So on one particular night, and, and like all this is so crystal clear to me, especially when I hear the song, because I used to imagine 12 year old, 13 year old me in the basement of my mom's house in Longmont, Colorado, on the TV, a random episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer in front of me. Of course computer playing music at the same time as the episode you're goddamn right because i have to have 16 things going on at once or i can't focus reading buffy the vampire slayer fan fiction absolutely so i turn the tv to hbo reverb is on on the episode happens to be cold who i loved at the time uh and tantric suddenly a song comes on while i'm reading my buffy the vampire slayer fan fiction perfectly (sighs) goes perfectly goes and i'm just like it's that memory is so ingrained to in me and that song is so bad. I almost left yeah. it because of the memes, 
but I was like, I can't do you this. Should've. I can't do this to, to, to you, and I can't do this to our public. But bonus secret pick for the playlist, Morning by Tantric. And just live your best, worst early 2000s life. There's something that you're trying to see. Cause I can take it. Cause I grew up a man that's weak. I'm hurt, I'll shake it. I'll go back to my game. That's how I'll make it. Cause out of all the hurt we have. Believe us to go. It sounds like you probably thought my life cannot get better than this. Oh, absolutely. Right, in this moment, right absolutely. there. Absolutely. I know for sure I was rocking. Uh, what was that? Oh, Net Zero. Net Zero is how I exclusively okay. connected to the internet at the time because you could access. <laughs> exclusively. Your, well, because it was the. Di- you Because children, let me tell you. Back in the day, we used to have to use the right. telephone to access the internet. And true, the only true. way. And I, I'm actually curious about how that technology works now in retrospect, because know, you had to enter certain only certain phone numbers were Internet mm-hmm. phone numbers. So yeah. in order to dial up those phone numbers, you had to use some kind of intermediary. AOL was the biggest one that everyone recognizes. But then yeah. it came along mm-hmm. Net Zero, who also had right. access to these magical phone numbers. But you had to not you didn't have to pay any kind of subscription fee. So you just had Net Zero running and then you could access the web. Just like through AOL. It was incredible. So, yeah, I spent my time uh, using that for, uh, oh, my God, Napster. So while I was illegally pirating music, reading my Buffy fan fiction, and uh, listening to to Reverb on the TV, I was was doing it all through Net Zero. So thanks, Net Zero. Beautiful. Beautiful. I mean, they're probably not even a thing anymore. I, I think about, you know, being here in the barn, my my grandma, back in the day when we were younger, we ended up borrowing a computer or like somebody gave it away or something. And I remember we went out to the store to find those AOL discs. They just oh, gave yeah. away yep. at the, at the grocery store or whatever. And we would just come here. Yeah. It's just so crazy. We just plug in yep. your fucking phone, phone line, line and you just needed something to like dial the numbers. Like if you just knew a little bit more to do, you could just in theory dial it for free. Yeah. Always. Cause you just know how to do it, but you just needed this program to do it, I guess. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, how does, how do modems work? Amazing stuff, you know? Yeah. What the hell? Anyway, tantric. <laughs> tantric. Not on this playlist, but will be on our special playlist. Kelly, we were also people in the world, not just watching reverb back in, God, what would it have 2001, been? 2001, yeah. 2000, well, 2000s, right? So 9-11 just happened, and Kelly's like, I need to just get on that zero and decompress. We also needed to decompress in this country in 2021. Kelly, what did you do this week that was cool and people would like to know about? Oh, my God. That was 20 years ago. Yeah. I mean, it's coming up. The anniversary here will be 20 years. Holy moly. Uh-huh. Oh, God. Okay. So a couple of things. Kind of the leftover from the time we were off that I forgot to mention. Uh, I watched The Happiest Season, which was a Hulu movie that had um, Dan Levy, uh, Kristen Stewart, and uh, Mackenzie Davis is in it. Um, and then also Aubrey Plaza is in it. And, mm. and it's just like absolutely wonderful. It was a Christmas movie. It was uh, Kristen Stewart. Um, her girlfriend, Mackenzie Davis, um, has not come out to her parents, which is like very much a trope in gay movies. But it plays out really, really well. 
Um, it's just great. It's a fantastic movie. People dunked on it on the internet for reasons I don't know. I think it's because it was 12-year-olds who have never been in a relationship before, sure. didn't like it because it was a, depicting an adult relationship and they didn't understand that, so they thought it was bad. Uh, but I'm glad that I did not listen to the 12-year-olds on the internet and I watched the movie anyway because it was excellent. I told you to watch it. I, you said on our Christmas special you didn't know if you were going to yeah. watch it. I'm glad that we've come full circle on the second episode of this actual <laughs> season that we know that during Christmas time I did you watch did it. actually go back. I'm glad we didn't have to wait a yeah. whole year for that. That was good. I'm glad it was great. It was okay. great. Highly recommend. Uh, I've also recently started rewatching Sherlock because, like, oh hey, I never watched it outside of that that time we watched it all together, and it's like those I were mean, the. Did we really watch it? We were pretty drunk. That's uh, so what I was just gonna say. Those were the the halcyon drunk days of. Did we watch it? Um, I mean, it's also nine years ago. So I mean, right. do you remember it? Is a better question. And the answer is. Not a second of it, apparently, because I'm watching it again. I'm like, oh, wow, this is great. So uh, it's really good. <laughs> you guys have never I seen think it. I would remember like the Moriarty stuff, like when he jumps off the building. Yeah. Like those big those big reveals I do. They were good enough that they are indelibly in my mind. But well, because the standoff on like the rooftop or whether with him and Moriarty was like, I will eat your heart is like, oh, well, that's ingrained in my memory forever. <laughs> Well, because the the fourth season, it ends up being like some weird, dumb paramilitary organization. Every every fucking good sci-fi fantasy show does that. I'm like, why? Yeah, right. The initiative. I know. Season four. Uh, we also watched watched the first season of, and the second season just came out. And we already finished it of Blown Away, which is a reality competition show about glass blowers. And it's that's all you need to say about it. It's just like nice uh, mental popcorn. You don't think about it kind of thing and it just is something to be on the tv but daniel i listen to music i listen to music i just i gotta tell you so as i've mentioned i've been having a hard time listening to music because i don't want to have any feelings but i was like you know what i should do is just like listen to those albums that are like kind of ubiquitous with our pop culture lives that i just mm -hmm. like never got around to listening especially in full i mean it's really we, it's hard to listen to an album in full if you're just passively accepting whatever happens in your atmosphere, right? Because that's the whole thing of nature pop music. It's the single. It's whatever. Well, so yeah, yeah, I finally listened to both of Lord's albums, and I gotta say, her first album, every song I had already heard. So her that whole album basically got released <laughs> to the mat, like you know, on the radio or whatever. Um, and they're good. Yeah. Did you know, Lord's pretty good. Gotta say, pure heroin and melodrama, both pretty good. If you want to go back to my top twenty of twenty eighteens, <laughs> I I gushed about green green light. Well, no, uh, what's it called? Uh, melodrama, line, right? right? Melodrama. Oh my god. Yeah. Still love it. In fact, shit, I need to re-listen to melodrama. Yeah. She, she Lord can do no wrong. Yeah, and I'm gonna. Lord. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but I gotta mm. say, I finally listened to that Waxahachie album that came out last year. It's not really for me. Oh, here we go. Here we go. It's it's fine. It's just it's just not for me. I don't know, man. I don't. It falls That's into fine. that old you country. To other Waxahachies. Yeah, no. She's she's a different version of her every time. You might oh, like yeah. Out in the Storm. It's very like rocky. It's really you know punky. And then you go back to like American Weekend and stuff, and it's like lo-fi. You know, just like playing around with a little synthesizer and writing songs. So you know, she has she changes every time she does something. So yeah. uh, in that vein, I went back and because uh, Pucifer is one of Maynard James Keaton's side projects. Mm. Um, been around for a long time now and uh, i never really got into it a couple of his songs ended up on some soundtracks i liked, like underworld and i think like something else that like i've heard his pucifer work through other mediums before and the the few songs i've heard i really did enjoy because they're kind of cherry-picked and are the most appealing but my suspicions 
an initial gut reactions were confirmed when actually sitting down and listening to the discography of Pucifer. I didn't get to the most recent album, which just came out last year, but everything else. Uh, yeah, it's totally hit or miss. There's like one or two good songs, in my opinion, on the albums, but the rest is like trash. And and I, the reason I, I never listened to it is because he like completely turned my stomach with this alter ego person that he created for this band. Uh, just like just rotting, misogynist, terrible asshole. And I'm just like, this isn't funny. And the music isn't good enough to make me care. So it's just like, at least I know now. At least I actually did it. And I'm like, yep, that's exactly what I thought it was. Goodbye. Well, I like this um, journey, Kelly. This is a better journey than classical music, I think. Is you yeah, the, that I gave up immediately. <laughs> well, 2020, I think, gave up, gave it up for you. Yeah. But um, no, I like this. This idea of going back to like, you know, listen to the stuff that you listen to. Like, is it any good? Especially yeah. if it's very formidable stuff in your life, you know? Yeah, and it, like, and the, why this is good, unlike when I did that with Static X, it was like, I knew exactly what that was because I remember right. it. Like, you know, it's just already there. This is, it has that element of like, oh, I don't 100%, I, I know tangentially, I know tertiarily, if that's a, a way right. you can conjugate that word, what it sounds like, but uh, yeah. And then, I know this has already gone on very long, but I mentioned last week, uh, X-Ray FM, which is a local radio station here in Portland, another amazing find from x-ray fm mm, okay. it's a guy called carm c-a-r-m all caps but his real okay. name is cj camieri i believe is how you say that uh but he's a trumpeter and he also plays the french horn and uh plays the keyboards if you don't know who carm is you have heard his trumpet before i promise you because this guy started off with sifion stevens back in 2006 he played with rufus wainwright oh. he played with the national sean lennon Paul Simon, Bon Iver, Tallest Man on Earth, David Byrne, the list goes on and on. Oh, if you've heard a trumpet in any indie music, oh, so, he okay. is the guy playing yeah, yeah. the fucking trumpet. Um, he's won two Grammys for uh, Best New Artist and Best Alternative Album. He has a, a musical kind of collective project called Why Music, uh, but I, he just... Yeah, Why Music, that's yeah. what it was. I was about to ask, is he a part of Why Music? Yes. Okay. Uh, but he, his, I think is his first solo album completely came out uh, just this month in January of 2021. And it's just called Carm, C-A-R-M, so self-titled. Uh, okay. I will be listening It's to 10 that. tracks, 35 minutes. It's very experimental, uh, but there are like three or four songs that are really coherent and like don't don't challenge you as much right like they're way more accessible because they sound like a, a normal song the first track is with Sufjan it's called Song of Trouble um, and that's like the single and that's like it, it's a great song uh, it's only like two and a half minutes but um, my favorite song is, 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 is the last track it's with a guy named Justin Vernon who I've never heard of before but his stuff is, seems okay too that's Bon Iver is it? yeah Justin Vernon no. is Bon Iver <laughs> yeah I don't know who that is Oh, oh, Kelly. <laughs> young, young Kelly. Just, you well, Justin Burden, if you've never heard of him, apparently <laughs> he's the same person as Bon Iver. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he did, they, they, that was my favorite song on the album. It's the last song. It's called Land. But yeah, it's, it's great. He's amazing. I can't believe this guy has been around. He's the sound of so much music that people enjoy. Apparently it's Bon Iver, Justin Vernon, if you say so person. Uh, it's it's great. I mean, I, and it and also I'm gonna actually give, go back and listen to uh, Sufjan Stevens. I think I've finally gotten over uh, my bullshit, and I'm gonna gonna do that. So Bon Iver and Sufjan Stevens are gonna be my homework for next week. But for now, Carm C A R M, check him out. Album is great. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> 
Good luck, Kelly. Uh, for me, for me, I finished a book called The 50s by the late, great David Halberstam. Um, and it prompted me to go back to the 50s. And I started in the 60s years ago to move forward with all these albums and songs I hadn't listened to, kind of where Kelly is right now. And, but I was like, I sort of neglected everything before the 60s because the LP became a thing really ingrained in the 60s. But the 50s, the end 50s, there were a bunch of really big profile LPs out there. So I was like, I'm going to listen to early Johnny Cash, Elvis, Howlin' Wolf, Blossom Deary. That's how she got on this playlist. She probably still wouldn't be on one if I didn't happen to listen to, you know, her 19, I think 58 record. Um, in terms of new music, I went back and re-listened to Pup again and uh, uh, Modern Baseball. You probably haven't, haven't listened to Modern Baseball, but um, some good Midwestern emo for this kid right here. Um, it's been a while. Well, I mean, you've, you've played them before. I've, I've heard it. Definitely. Did you hear them or American songs. football? Cause I immediately, no, no, confused. I know American football. Okay. Cause I was like, yeah, yeah. Which one's which here? <laughs> Cause I get them confused. <laughs> um, I didn't watch. I've been, I, I haven't watched anything from my 101 of 2021. Um, oh, your movies. Yeah. I kind of stalled. Foolish wives was really tough to get through. It's too long. 1920, 1922 was a tough year for cinema. Based on my recollection, because it's so long ago, it just like doesn't make any sense to me. And I that's a hundred years ago, man. I know it's crazy. I mean, and for me, the history person in me, I'm like, I love this. I want this. And there's a part I just need to be in the right mindset. And in terms of watching stuff, I've only watched a few things. I watched uh, a brand new ContraPoints came out hour and a half on J.K. Rowling, which was really great um, and really fair minded and i love that she like dives into the people and tries to understand what um the person is trying to say and what they're feeling so i enjoy contrapoints of course and then i started watching people just do nothing which um features uh awesome chowdhury from uh, taskmaster fame uh this is what he won the bafta for so this is apparently one of the biggest shows in britain british af and funny as af it's what i mean it's so good it's like The Office, but just a pirate radio station. I don't know what else oh, to say. People, okay. people just do not think it's on Netflix. Yeah. So. Oh, is it? Well, super easy. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. This is a fine spring morning. It's everywhere for us to share. Just look what a fine spring morning can do. I've got a brand new feeling. When I think twice, it's awful nice. I hope everybody's feeling it too. All right, Kelly, that's the end of As I Went Out One Morning. Another perfect episode from your friends here at Sign on the Window coming to you from the barn and the podcast closet. That's right. And we have 371 songs left after I remove As I Went Out One Morning. Kelly, we are not picking numbers, though. Yes, I'm sorry. We are choosing based upon words this year. This is the year of the word. Not the year of the number. Random.org. Get out of here. What I want you to do is what we if you if you forgot what happened last week, Kelly is going to go to randomwordgenerator.com. She is going to choose five words at random. I am going to run them through Bob Dylan's songs, Bob Dylan's lyrics, and I'm going to come up with <laughs> a couple of, uh, well, who knows? If there's only one hit, that's the one we're doing. If not, Kelly's going to choose the one that we do next week, and she's going to give a good, compelling reason as to why. And then we're gonna we're gonna move on. Uh, so first, no, word number one: responsibility. Yes. Okay. What's the next one? Basketball. 
that one might not be on there. I don't. I don't <laughs> think basketball. Oh, I can't <laughs> Which wait. is sad. I wish there was basketball. No proportion. All right. What's next? Admiration. Okay. Admiration. This one sounds like it could be a good one. No. Okay. How about ignore? Ignore. Okay. This is gonna be good. So total of all the song choices we have right now is three. Of all the song choices we have is three. So I'm going to read you the line. Just the line with it out of context. One of them. My creator, my comforter, my cause for joy. Yes. Tough luck. Tough luck. Uh, the second song, and there's no one there to comfort you. Okay. Okay. And then three is I took some comfort there. I mean, I got to go with the with number two, right? Number two. Funny you would choose that. This is actually, do you remember Shenandoah back in episode 54? I remember that dude with the really deep voice singing Our, the Shenandoah River song. Yes. John, Robeson yeah, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, no, this is from this album. It's called Death Is Not The End. Oh, okay. Not great, Kelly. Nice. Not great. <laughs> we'll be back next week. <laughs> With Wonderful. death is not the end. <laughs> Very 2021. You know, this is the year now of affirming our existences, right? So uh, in the middle of a pandemic that's still raging across this country, death is not the end. He, he sings Wonderful. into a into a microphone. So, Kelly, we'll see you next week. 123, our second song off of the um, much maligned Down in the Groove. <laughs> Death is not the end. <laughs> Kelly, I'll see you next week. Goodbye. Oh, I can't wait. Goodbye. In my culture, death is not the end. It's more of a stepping off point. You reach out with both hands and bust and segment. They lead you into the green veld where you can run forever. That sounds very peaceful. My father thought so. I am not my father. T'Challa, task force will decide who brings in Barnes. Don't bother Miss Romanov. I'll kill him myself.